I can just imagine him in a meeting. You know, yes, this is the contract I've been waiting for. Thank you very much, Steve. Thank you very much, Jerry. And he signs his name, and then he stands up and he says, I'm going to go ahead and have the surgery now. You can't turn the football over 17 times and think you're going to win a game. Can't do it. Won't do it. Cole, I appreciate everything you did for the Dallas Cowboys. Cole, go get your money. <laughs> I mess up his name. I can't even get this. That's a kitty. That's a kitty. That's a kitty. But at the same time, oh, we're going to shackle them in? We're going to take over? <laughs> you are not Diana Prince. This is not Themyscira. I saw it coming. That's why I went solo. You'll never see me coming. Welcome to every living and breathing intelligent biped on planet Earth. To this special quid pro quo Thanksgiving sick show. It's your boy, the man, the myth, the hashtag legend in my own mind. Big day. Talking not only sports, but news of all kinds. This episode of this sick show is being brought to you by Cotapaz. Feeling stressed? Well, if you're the Cowboy Nation, you are definitely not alone. Stress is an unpleasant part of life, so call Cotapaz today. Cotapaz is committed to providing individuals, groups, ministries, and businesses with great solutions for life. Visit Cotapaz.org today. That's K-A-T-A-P-A-U-S-E.org today and discover real solutions for your life. The reason I call this the special quid pro quo Thanksgiving show for two reasons first of all Thanksgiving is this week and at the end of the show I'm going to give my special thanks out to those individuals that are near and dear to my heart but I call it quid pro quo for the simple fact that I like saying quid pro quo which in layman's terms means you scratch my back I'll scratch yours and the way that we're going to do it on this show you stay tuned to this whole show and I promise you I will give you my very best So, without any more hesitation, let's start this first segment off right. We are in trouble, Dallas Cowboy fans. I don't care how you look at it. I don't care how you slice it. I don't care if we win the division. We are in trouble, Dallas Cowboy fans. The Dallas Cowboys went 
to Boston, Massachusetts to play the New England Patriots. And in a game that they could have and should have won, they once again drop literally the balls and come up losers not short losers 13 to 9 against the New England Patriots in a game where nobody scored a touchdown Dak Prescott was 19 of 33 through for 212 yards and one interception no touchdowns Ezekiel Elliott had 21 carries for 86 yards no touchdown and he also had 40 yards in receiving giving him a total of 126 yards on the day Randall Cobb had 86 yards on four receptions. Michael Gallup had 55 yards on four receptions. Blake Jarwin had 17 yards and on three receptions. And Tony Pollard had nine yards on three receptions. Where was Amari Cooper? Amari Cooper didn't get one reception so he obviously had no yards no average no touchdowns just O's across the board oh where was Amari Cooper and on one catch he trapped it against the ground it was incomplete. I thought they were going to let it slide, but when you looked at the instant replay and it showed that he trapped the ball and it was ruled incomplete. Tavon Austin, zilch, nada, nondesca. Not a John Brown thing. Jason Witten, the man who's always open. One reception for five yards. It kind of makes you think, how in the heck did Dak end up with 212 yards? Nobody other than Randall Cobb Michael Gallup and Ezekiel Elliott seem like they could catch the ball. Blake Jarwin, yeah, three receptions, 17 yards, but that's about it. I, I don't even want to get Tony Pollard mixed into that. The Cowboys fall to six and five in the NFC East, and the Patriots are 10 and one, and the Patriots are struggling this year, but are 10 and 1 just like the San Francisco 49ers is it going to be a 49er New England Patriots Super Bowl people 
I know what it ain't gonna be. It ain't gonna be a Dallas Cowboys Patriots Super Bowl. Everybody who is on this planet is calling for Jason Garrett's resignation. Everybody and Jerry Jones tried to make the best of it by saying that when you go to New England, expect to get out coached. I think you're going to get out coached when you come to uh, during this era, when you come into uh, uh, New England. I do. I think you are. And uh, I give him his uh, uh, not do there, but it's just what you're dealing with. But my point is, don't get yourself in a spot where you have to come up here and beat him and beat them and beat them uh, on a day like today. Don't get in a spot with that determining uh, uh, what you want to be about, with that determining where you're going. Now, we're fortunate. We're uh, uh, Philadelphia got beat today, and uh, we've we've got a chance to really step up here and do this. But uh, I want to see us coordinate our, our defense, offense, and um, special teams. We need to, as a whole team, uh, coordinate a, uh, a complete uh, if you will, uh, balance, not balance in the word for it, but I want to see a winning game out of all of those guys acting a little bit in coordination and unison. We do too, Jerry. We want to see that balance, for lack of a better word, or coordination with all teams or departments playing on the same side playing the same note everybody working in unison to get the job done that's what we're asking you as fans of the Dallas Cowboys that's what we're asking you we want to see it how are you not on one accord as a team when it comes to offense, defense, special teams. That's a coaching situation. That's a head coach problem. It's problematic if you can't get the offense, the defense, and special teams on one accord. Everybody doing their job. Everybody doing what's expected of them. It's a head coach problem. And here's what's so bad about this year. Even though the Cowboys are 6-5, and five, they have a winning record. Even though they may win the division at, I'm going to say, 8-8. Eight and eight. You win the division, you go to the playoffs, but look who you're playing against. The NFC is stacked. Stacked this year. You've got teams that have won or lost no more than three games. 
If Dallas doesn't win the division, they don't even get in the wild card discussion. It's that stat. New Orleans is looking like we're not going to lose any more. New Orleans looks good. But you got San Francisco. You got the Seattle Seahawks. San Francisco's 10 and 1. Seahawks sitting there at, at what? 7 and 2? 8 and 2? The NFC is stacked. So the only way you're going to get in is to win the division. And then who do you play in the first round? That can't kick our blue starry butts. Who do we play that's as bad as the Miami Dolphins? Who do we play in the playoffs that's as bad as the New York Jets? Wow, I forgot. We lost that game. <sighs> it seems hopeless. It just seems hopeless. Hear what I'm saying? I said seems. But the reality of the situation is it's bad Cowboys fans it's bad and if you make a coaching change now what what, what, what is that going to do I guarantee you mark my words if Dallas doesn't win the division Jason Garrett is gone That's all I'm going to say about that. When we come back on this special Thanksgiving quid pro quo show, we are going to discuss what went down in the impeachment inquiry with Ambassador Sondland. He was singing like a bird, y'all. You don't want to miss it. When we come back, Right here on this sick show. I said to you in the beginning this whole show is based on quid pro quo since everybody seems to do it according to Ambassador Sondland I thought 
then I would go ahead and try my hand at the quid pro quo. Which basically means if I give you my very best on this show, you must stay locked in and you must send it out on all social media platforms that because Big Day is giving you his best you are receiving the best possible show on the planet cause that's how the quid pro quo works we're 100% on fire on the BGC Sports Network for showtimes, upcoming live events, and more. Just go to bgcsports.net. If you have not been watching the impeachment inquiries, last week was a bombshell for the President of the United States and his administration. As the ambassador at the center of the House impeachment inquiry testified on last Wednesday that he was following 45's orders with the full knowledge of other top administration officials. He said that when he pressured the Ukrainians to conduct investigations in two 45's political rivals he said it was what he called a clear quid pro quo Ambassador Gordon D. Sondland Mr. Trump's envoy to the European Union told the House Intelligence Committee that he reluctantly reluctantly followed 45's directives he testified that the president instructed him to work with Rudy Giuliani he said that 45's personal lawyer pressured Ukraine to publicly commit to the investigation of former Vice President Joe Biden's junior and that Democrats <laughs> conspired with the Russians to interfere in the 2016 election. Mr. Sondland said, we followed the president's orders. <laughs> we followed the president's orders in his testimony he linked the most senior members of the Trump administration to the effort including the vice president the secretary of state and the acting chief of staff and a whole bunch of other people basically Sondland saying 
like a bird. Oh, he was just singing in the rain like he was Gene Kelly or somebody. He was throwing people up under not just a bus, but all the tanks and aircrafts and homes and anything that was heavy that could run over you. Sondland had one of them for everybody. And here's the scary thing about that. He kept bringing up Giuliani's name. Basically, Rudy Pooh told Sondland what to do. Rudy Pooh said you need to pressure Ukraine. Rudy Poot told Sondland this is what 45 wants and you gotta give 45 what he wants when he wants it cause we all know that 45 gets usually what he wants And he got it. But now all of it has blew up in everybody's face. Later, on Wednesday, a Defense Department official, Laura Cooper, testified that the Ukrainian officials may have known as early as late July that a $391 million package of security assistance was being withheld by 45's administration. The testimony by Ms. Cooper called into question other central elements of the president's defense. His defense was that there was no pressure because Ukrainian officials were unaware that the money was frozen. And then two months into the investigation, Sondland's account came as close as investigators have gotten to an admission from an official who dealt directly with 45. But Mr. Sondland's accounts have now shifted since the committee first deposed them in October opening him up to Republican criticism that he is not credible. This is what gets me about this whole situation. There are jokers in the administration and in high places who knew this is exactly exactly what they wanted to happen. They knew what they were doing. And I applaud Sondland for coming out and telling the truth. The American people needed to know the truth. 
Remember when Mulvaney said a few weeks back, we do this all the time. Well, you he was right. This is being done all the time. Decisions are being made all the time that we don't know about as the American people. You can't even trust the media at large. CNN fighting with Fox. MSNBC trying to be independent. ABC seems to be on it. But it's just so many different ways to tell a lie. And the Republicans kill me. Talking to Sondland and the people before him and asking the same questions over and over again in a different way. And you're still getting the same results. As I said before, Senator such and such. As I said in my deposition, Senator such and such. As I was asked earlier, Senator such and such. There was a clear, I mean, crystal clear quid pro quo. Now, you got Fiona Hill, who they brought in after Sondland on Friday. Fiona Hill, who served as the president's top Russia advisor until, until she left the administration this past summer, told lawmakers at the scheduled public impeachment inquiry that U.S. Ambassador Sondland was correct to exclude her from this effort for Ukraine to announce investigations. She said, quote, it struck me when you put up on the screen Ambassador Sondland's emails and who was on these emails and he said these are the people who need to know that he was absolutely right, end of quote. She was referencing the email Sondland had sent to the officials that included Acting Chief of Staff, Mr. Mulvaney. She said because he was being involved in a domestic political errand and we were being involved in national security for foreign policy and those two things had just diverged. She added, I had not put my finger on that at that moment, but I was irritated with him and angry with him that he wasn't fully coordinating. I did say to him, Ambassador Sondland, I think this is all going to blow up. And here we go. Miss Hill, Fiona. First of all, wasn't she in Shrek? Number one, Fiona was trapped up there with the dragon key. 
What? What? Wasn't that her? And Shrek and Donkey helped her get out of the Dragon's Keep, and when she got out, she ended up becoming a U.S. ambassador or an envoy to Russia. I, I think that's how the story goes. No, I, I, I'm, I'm really kidding about that. And some of you probably are like, what, 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 what is that? But I want you to hear what Fiona Hill had to say about the Russian involvement in the 2016 election and how we need to get prepared or do something about it right now for the 2020 elections here's Fiona Hill in her own words courtesy of CNN based on questions and statements I've heard some of you on this committee appear to believe that Russia and its security services did not conduct a campaign against our country and that perhaps somehow for some reason Ukraine did this is a fictional narrative that has been perpetrated and propagated by the Russian security services themselves the unfortunate truth is that Russia was the foreign power that systematically attacked our democratic institutions in 2016. This is the public conclusion of our intelligence agencies, confirmed in bipartisan congressional reports. It is beyond dispute, even if some of the underlying details must remain classified. The impact of the successful 2016 Russian campaign remains evident today. Our nation is being torn apart. Truth is questioned. Our highly professional and expert career foreign service is being undermined. U.S. support for Ukraine, which continues to face armed Russian aggression, has been politicized. The Russian government's goal is to weaken our country, to diminish America's global role, and to neutralize a perceived U.S. threat to Russian interests. President Putin and the Russian security services aim to counter U.S. foreign policy objectives in Europe, including in Ukraine, where Moscow wishes to reassert political and economic dominance. I say this not as an alarmist, but as a realist. I do not think long-term conflict with Russia is either desirable or inevitable. I continue to believe that we need to seek ways of stabilizing our relationship with Moscow, even as we counter their efforts to harm us. Right now, Russia's security services and their proxies have geared up to repeat their interference in the 2020 election. We are running out of time to stop them. In the course of this investigation, I would ask that you please not promote politically driven falsehoods that so clearly advance Russian interests. As Republicans and Democrats have agreed for decades, Ukraine is a valued partner of the United States, and it plays an important role in our national security. She said, Russia is gearing up for 2020 and we're running out of time to stop them. Ukraine is pivotal, pivotal in our Russian relations and I dare say strategy because Russia, Putin, wants the Ukraine back under their control. So we don't have time to have another country get into our affairs and our business when it comes to who's running for the White House. It 
was totally uncalled for for 45 to ask Ukraine to do what he wanted them to do. But here's the scary part for Mr. Sondland. You mentioned Giuliani's name a few times. I would hate to see you coming up missing. I'm not saying it's going to happen. But when you start singing in the rain like he did, right? It is what it is. All right. Enough of that. When we come back, we got to talk some more. Spokes. Don't go anywhere. Remember, this is a whole show of quid pro quo. On this sick show. Segment three of this sick show. Well, the holidays are absolutely here and it's time for you to take advantage of some great deals offered by our affiliates. Just go to the BGC Big Deals page and you'll see different people on there like Hulu, Macy's, New Balance, um... Uh, Sam's Club, Walmart, Best Buy, and some others that are on there. So go to the BGC Big Deals page and take advantage of all of the offers that are being offered to you by our affiliates, all from the station who knows about doing things big. We are the Big Game Christian Sports Network at bgcsports.net. All right. We started off this special quid pro quo Thanksgiving show. Started off talking about the Cowboys. Then we talked about there was, according to Ambassador Sondland, quid pro quo in the impeachment hearings. And now we are going to talk about Major League Baseball, specifically the Houston Astros, as they find themselves now in hot water over allegations of cheating after a leaked email revealed a high-ranking team executive asked scouts to spy on opponents up to the 2017 postseason with the hope of stealing signs or using specific technology to do so. And this is according to Ken Rosenthal and Evan Drellich of The Athletic. Kevin Goldstein, special assistant to the Astros general manager, Jeff Lunau, 
allegedly sent the email in question. It follows reports suggesting the team used technology to steal signs during their World Series winning season of 2017. The email read this, quote, One thing in specific we are looking for is picking up signs coming out of the dugout. And this was a message which was back in August of 2017. It also said, quote, what we are looking for is how much we can see, how we would log things, and if we need cameras, binoculars, etc. So go to the game, see what you can or can't do, and report back your findings. Wow. Now, the email was reportedly obtained by the outlet on the condition its sender and recipients would remain anonymous. The MLB rules allows for scouts to steal signs from the stands only if they are stolen with their own eyes or binoculars and as long as they aren't given to the team during the same game. First of all, that's a stupid rule. Because... Nobody should be allowed to steal anybody's signs, whether it's during that game or during practice or whatever, because that just gives the other team a, 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 an advantage and puts you at a disadvantage. Anyway, let me get back to this story. The report might be a smoking gun for the Astros front office. Mike Fires told The Athletic that the team used a live video feed to steal signs from opposing teams, catchers, and relay them to hitters by banging on a trash can. And a video published on Thursday appeared to show the Houston Astros stole signs during the World Series against the Los Angeles Dodgers. That was in 2017. And identified the signals to the Astros, allegedly alerting the batters by whistling, making noises. The video claims that the Astros use two different whistling noises to signal the batters that a fastball or a breaking ball was about to be pitched. The video broke down the at-bats of Josh Reddick, George Springer, Evan Gaddis, Guriel, Jose Altuve, a list of others during the World Series and there didn't appear to be a ton of crowd noise during the at-bats during this time. They used a sophisticated system to steal the signs. That's what they're saying. Guys, let me, let me, let me just say this. This is ridiculous. If the Houston Astros get away with this or are not punished in some sort of way then please let Pete Rose be in the Hall of Fame I'm just saying everybody sits there and says well Pete Rose bet on the outcome of the game. Um, it harkens it back to 
the 19, I believe it was 17 or 20 White Sox situation. Shoeless Joe and all them. And they're forever banned from the Hall of Fame because of the cheating they were doing. But guess what? Every team cheats in some form or fashion. Every team does it. Every team is looking to steal signs to get a leg up on the competition. Every team is looking to see how they can outdo the other one. In some form or fashion, they're cheating. Whether they're sliding into the base, feet first, and they're trying to take out the ankles or the shin for double play. Whether they're intentionally trying to hit somebody, start a fight, get those people kicked out. In some form or fashion, everybody is trying to get one up on the competition. Now, what makes this so egregious is that this is the World Series. This is for all the marbles. This ain't regular season. This this ain't the New England Patriots Spygate. Matter of fact, we've had Spygate. Well, it all started with Watergate with Nixon, but we've had Spygate. And uh, since then, we've had... Um, what do they call it with the footballs? Deflate gate. What can we possibly name it for baseball? Um, sign gate. Yeah. I like that. Trademark and copyright. Daryl D. Day. A.K.A. Big Day. Grand Prairie, Texas. Sign gate is what I'm going to call this. As if we needed another gate. And the thing about the Astros, they are so talented. In 2017, they were so loaded. You didn't need to steal signals to beat you Darvish and the Los Angeles Dodgers you didn't need it but you allegedly did it any way I don't know what to tell you but we're living in a time where some type of penalty is coming down and it's going to come down hard just like the penalty for Miles Garrett and helmet gate Miles Garrett bashing people in the head with a helmet now we got helmet gate so we got sign gate Helmet Gate and Garrett Gate. 
those are the three gates to look at after this holiday season comes to an end. I'm, I'm laughing because I'm thinking about how all this is going to go down and it just tickles my funny bone. But before I go, I said I wanted to give thanks to those individuals that have done a lot and mean a lot in my life. First and foremost, my beautiful wife, Enora Day. I thank you for marrying me when I was a diamond in the rough. And whoo, was I rough. Thank you for 24 and a half years of marriage, getting ready to celebrate 25. May 5th, y'all. May 5th, Cinco de Mayo. That's when we celebrate 25 years. Thank you. I'm thankful for my family, for my children, Daryl Jr., Kevin Alexander, Aaliyah Nicole, and Kiana Michelle. Thank you for being great children. Well, good children. Well, all right, children. But thank you for all that you do and have done for me. Thank you to my pastor and pastress, Urban and Joyce Brown. Thank you to the Life in Christ Family Church for the 20 some years we've been with you guys. That includes the Bishop T.D. Brown and the men's ministry and everybody that's a part of LIC. I want to thank my colleagues at BGC Sports from Cedric Bailey to Charles Boyd to Willie Epting, Donnie Epting, um, James J. Noakes, everybody, Dave Michaels, Gentry Ace Little, Amy G. I'm going off the top of my head here. Charge it to my head, not to my heart. But everybody with BGC. Them 580 boys. Dion Broadus. Everybody. Thank you for allowing me to be with you on this journey. And last, not least, my family, the whole day family from my sister on down. And the one who made it possible for me to even say thank you. Because without her, I wouldn't be here. And that's my mama. Helena Yvonne Dayhaw. Girl, I 
yub you. Now it's beyond love. I yub you. And I thank you for having me. All right. That's it. I don't want to get too emotional, but I'm thankful for everybody. And I'm thankful to you who took the time out to listen to this special quid pro quo Thanksgiving show. And I hope that I was able to fulfill my part of the bargain as you fulfill yours by staying locked into this show. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. And I'll see you afterwards. Right here on this.